Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? P4C, the podcast. Welcome back. Welcome in to the new subscribers, because I know if you're here for the first time, you obviously were recommended. We're a big uh, believer in grassroots here on the podcast, and word of mouth is the best way to get new listeners, and I appreciate everybody subscribing, reviewing, particularly the five-star reviews. Thank you so much. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're everywhere, wherever you can get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, we're, we're everywhere. So tell your friends, tell your folks. Definitely was um, uh, a, a, an interesting week in the sense that you had some folks get back on track in the NFL, whether it's the Chiefs, um, Green Bay, because they had their quarterback back. Um, Tennessee continued to roll. Dallas got back on track after their ugly loss to Denver. And, you know, I, I was a little hungover on uh, on Sunday, went out with the great Negus Williams, Webster Chan, uh, and he, uh, he had me with a little bit of a headache on this Sunday uh, watching the NFL, but still got main takeaways to, to dish here on episode 62. And the first thing I want to dive into is, is this the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are now on a two game losing streak. I don't even know if you can call it a streak, whether you win two games, lose two games. Is it really like a streak? I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like three has to be a streak. I think it was major league. The, uh, the movie about the Cleveland Indians going by the guardians. Now I think they said three has to be a winning streak, three games, either which way. And this happens about twice a year with Bruce Arians and his NFL teams. He comes out once twice a year, and he really just gets into the ass of his team. And that's what he said uh, here on Monday, or after the game on Sunday. He said, we're a dumb football team right now. It's really dumb. And he thinks that it's not an uh, idea of ability or capability. It's more of an idea. They're just a stupid team. And it's clear that the Buccaneers, they're not at full strength. A.B., Gronk, Sherman, the rest of the cornerback group, they're all out. They were all out this week. They are a good football team. But this is where Bruce Arians and his um, and his ability to coach comes out. This is what the good coaches do. The Robert Salas of the world, the Urban Myers of the world, yeah, they're at different points in their program. But the, this, that's where the season goes off the, goes off the rails. 
for those types of coaches. Bruce Arians, the the John Harbaugh's, the Andy Reeds, they write the ship. They write the ship and two losses. You know, I this isn't college. You can lose some games in the NFL. I've always said that. And two games, yeah, it's not a good thing. Like once it turns into three, four games, then you're really in uh, in uh, issue of having your season sink. But the Bucks are going to be all right. This was more about January. This was more about the end of December for Tampa Bay. He's telling his team, he's got a message for his team. We got to clean it up. We got to clean it up if we want to beat the top tier teams. Because right now we lost to Washington. Yeah, I like our chances against Washington in a playoff game just like last year. Lost to the Skins uh, and then beat them in the postseason. I think it's a message from a good coach uh, telling his squad right now that we got to clean it up and we got to clean it up right now. Otherwise, we are going to be in danger of having some real issues. Two-game lose streak. Not the biggest of deal. I've seen the Bucs. We've seen the Bucs this year and last year play any type of football game where they have to pound it on the ground with their running backs. If they have to go through the air, play in the cold, play in the warm, they can do it all. The Bucs are going to be fine. This was a message from Bruce Arians, a great head coach, getting through to his team. So during the early slate, or no, it was the afternoon slate. Yeah, we had the Philadelphia Eagles going to Mile High, playing the Broncos. I actually think Philadelphia, you know, they, they, they got some good parts. I just think overall their operation is just kind of weird. Jalen Hurts, he's productive. Offense, they got some pieces. Offensive line, all right. Defensive line, all right. They just, they're weak at linebacker, and they lay an egg one week, and then they surprise you doing this. I actually picked them in uh, Pete's Picks. We put it out every Sunday and every Thursday and Monday, whenever there's an NFL game, we choose every game. Uh, and I tell you the score. I don't do the spreads. I don't do the over-unders. I don't do any of that betting stuff. I just go off uh, intellect, uh, instincts, and whatever I think is going to happen. That was one of the games that I got right in an otherwise pretty uh, bad Sunday for Pete's Picks here in Week 10. I actually picked correctly that the Eagles would win. But during the other afternoon slate, the, the second window, of NFL games, we had the Panthers and the Cardinals and Super Cam. Newton was back in Carolina. Two touchdowns on his first two snaps and his second stint with the Panthers. And I had to come away thinking, you know, if they cut down on the turnovers, because I thought I predicted this would be a playoff team at the beginning of the year. I liked Sam Darnold. I thought he would cut down on the turnovers. Last three weeks, been really bad. Um, he's now on injured reserve. Might have been the best thing for him in his career, the fact that he got hurt so he could just stop the bleeding that way by not playing. Now, obviously you don't want to be hurt because his situation in Carolina, um, you know, you don't know if he's going to be the starter. He's already on the team for next year, $22 million. They picked up the fifth-year option. But as far as just being able to kind of like, you know, clear your head, reset, going on injured reserve, not the worst thing in the world. And for Carolina at the moment, Cam, who's fresh, who's had the first 10 weeks off, his legs are healthy, his arm is healthy. Last seven weeks of the season, yeah, I could see you know Cam being a pretty big asset for the Panthers. And if he cuts down on the turnovers, which he's a more experienced quarterback than Darnold, and while you're not gonna um you're not gonna have the ceiling, he's not gonna throw uh the big plays that Darnold might create. But Cam might take care of the ball a little bit better, and he obviously brings the dimension on the ground to where maybe if you can get that offensive line playing a little bit better, specifically just in the rush game, along with a healthy McCaffrey, this can be that lower-level playoff team. I, I had him picked as the uh, the last wild card 
and he's coming in fresh at the right time. Obviously, you know the uh, the effect that Cam has on the locker room, which, you know, I, I've kind of changed my tune. Look, teammates like him. I've, I've kind of always, always noticed that. Teammates do like him. I don't think he's the best teammate overall as far as with his coaching staff or with the executives. There's been some things in the past where it's like, eh, don't really know about that. But overall, his teammates like him, and they gravitate towards him. That's a good thing. Overall, I think you got to be encouraged with Cam Newton coming in at this time with what the Carolina Panthers need at this moment. Could be a valuable piece of the puzzle, and Carolina gets another W, and uh, yeah, might be on pace for the final wild card in the NFC. So with Seattle and them getting shut out at Lambeau, I really don't know what to make of it. Was it Russell Wilson just not being healthy? Is this you know instability with the Seahawks and just their philosophy with team building, Pete Carroll? Things are just weird in Seattle. I I have to digest on that a little bit more. But one thing that was abundantly clear on the other side of the football, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers coming off a week, two weeks basically, week and a half, that he didn't practice, didn't have his A game, and it was okay. Packers still won 17-0. This is a hat tip to Brian uh, Gutekinds, which I think we're all getting more uh, uh, comfortable saying his name. At first, you're just like, uh, Gutekunz, Gutekins, Gutekis, like what, huh? This guy has done a superb job as a general manager. And at first, it's like, oh, are you on Aaron's side or are you on the general manager's side over the summer when you have all this back and forth through the media, through, uh, you know, third-party sources? And then it gets to training camp. Aaron starts talking. The games start. Uh, they get blown out in week one. Aaron continues to talk. Then he goes on the COVID list. It's The dust is all starting to settle, it feels like, with the whole offseason drama. And we're just realizing 8-2, and two, the Green Bay Packers overall, they got a great quarterback. They got a great GM. I don't know if they have a great head coach, but he's obviously a competent head coach with those other two pieces in place. They're 8-2, and two, and they can win a game when their quarterback doesn't practice in inclement weather where there obviously are inclement weather games in Green Bay. And they got a lot of good players that are young and cheap. And they're as good as anybody to win the Super Bowl right now. And they reinforced it against the Seattle team, who is always going to give you a tough game. I just said, you know, we don't know what to make of them at this point in time. But Culture, Carroll, Russell Wilson, they're not going to lay down. They didn't lay down yesterday. It was a close game. The score did indicate that. It was 17-0. You obviously knew the Seahawks. Never really got anything going, but it just goes to show that Green Bay, well-oiled machine right now, for sure. You look at the draft picks from 2018 when Brian Gutekind started as a general manager in Green Bay. You have Jair Alexander, safety, in 2018. Uh, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary in 2019. Obviously, Jordan Love last year in 2020. Uh, And then uh, Stokes this year, the safety he got a bunch of playmakers, a bunch of playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. And there was all this cry for getting these playmakers on offense, you know, optimize the window for Aaron Rodgers. Seems to be a pretty good team building philosophy to me. Eight and two, two NFC championship games in the last two years. I think overall, we're about to put the nail in the coffin on last season uh, or the off season, rather letting the off season drama Maybe that comes front center again in March. But for the time being, there's no reason to believe that the GM, the head coach, Aaron Rodgers, we're not not going to see them 
come next season in 2022 because right now Green Bay is rolling. They didn't even play their best football, and they're 8-2 and two and maybe the best team in the NFC. I think this was finally the game where Mac Jones probably got a little bit more love nationally on the media side of things than he did uh, earlier in the season. Three touchdowns, 45 points for the Patriots as they, uh, you know, smash the Cleveland Browns 45 to 7. And three touchdowns, 19 of 23, 198 yards. So not like, again, gaudy totals here, but he's getting credit finally for not making mistakes. Said it in past podcasts, saying it again. You do have to learn how to not make mistakes in this league as well as make plays, which I think, you know, we, we always look for players to make plays. Like, I got Josh Allen highlights on right now. That guy, his first season, he could prove he could make any throw in the football field, but also that he could miss any throw in the football field. And that's the thing about Mac Jones. He doesn't miss throws. He doesn't create huge uh, negative plays on offense. And that's what you want your quarterback to do. Like, game manager, people say that as, like, uh, you know, like it has a stigma. That's exactly what you want a quarterback to do, manage the game. And yeah, maybe he's got a ceiling. Maybe he's got a limit offensively on uh, you know what he can put on his shoulders. But that's why you know you have a great head coach. That's why you have a great uh, you know general manager, so you can build the team and win it that way. There's different ways to win in this league. And you know, Ria, uh, Ramondre, uh, what's his name, Ramondre uh, uh, Stevenson of New England, twenty touches, hundred yards, two touchdowns. The defense is just making plays. Um, Kendrick Bourne, even offensively, he got in the mix for 98 yards and uh, a touchdown along with Jacoby Myers, a guy who I, I saw the stat, played in like 98 football games with New England, finally got his first career touchdown. That was cool to see. A guy who's played so many games, has come up with some you know, fairly big catches, fairly productive, but then he's just never found the end zone for nearly 100 football games. That was cool to see. And New England, they're starting to you know ascend at the right time here. And it, it, it it's pretty typical of a Bill Belichick team. You know, the first month, they're kind of figuring out what they have. Second month, they're kind of adjusting to see what maybe their strengths are. And then come November and December, that's when Josh McDaniels, that's when on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's his son, Steve Belichick, or, or Brian Flores, or Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick and his teams, they kind of find out the plays that they're really good at in those final two months. And then they're gearing up for, you know, the second half stretch and the playoffs. And, you know, they're, they're about to be as dangerous as anybody. And I don't know if they're going to be as viable as far as, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, being favored in the playoffs. But right now the AFC is wide open. When it's all said and done and the dust settles, yeah, they, they could be the number one seed. In theory, I, right now I'm not, you know, betting the, uh, betting the farm on it. But right now, four wins in a row, Bill Belichick ascending in November. Sounds like a Belichick football team to me. I just got pushed to my phone a video of Odell Beckham uh, walking into, uh, I guess it would be Levi Stadium in San Francisco or Santa Clara, wherever that football stadium is in, in the Bay, Northern Bay area. They're, uh, they're hosting the Rams, and Odell obviously is playing his first game as a Ram. And, you know, quickly over the weekend, Robert Trees, Robert Woods uh, tore his knee, unfortunate really big fan of that guy just plays hard he's tough physical uh very productive no nonsense all business but Odell Beckham is all of a sudden become a necessity rather than a luxury 
And, you know, I don't expect too much of him tonight. Just a couple practices. They probably got some plays where they really like him. Could he get open uh, by being schematically open or him just winning on on speed and, and talent? Like, yeah, I, I could see him popping for a touchdown. But, you know, I, I almost see it being almost like a wide-open touchdown because the 49ers, their cornerbacks, just awful. I, I think this is going to be a 14-point game. I'll, again, put Pete's picks out on Twitter, at Pete4C. You can find the scores there. But, you know, I, I bring that up to say because Odell has had some taunting penalties in the past. He's had some unsportsmanlike con- uh, conduct penalties in, uh, in the past, and that's pretty much well behind him. But, you know, the NFL and the ta- taunting penalties – Right after I put out the podcast last Monday, you had the Cassius Marsh penalty. That got a whole bunch of grief by the media. Then you had the uh, the taunting penalties or the unsportsmanlike conduct one from Cam Newton taking off his helmet, uh, you know, yelling, I'm back. I think what's getting lost in all this with the modern NFL fan is that if you are a better, if you're betting on these football games, you want the NFL to crack down on taunting and unsportsmanlike conduct because the last thing you want is a fight or, or, or something really egregious on taunting or something really bad on sportsmanlike conduct costing the outcome of the game. So if you get through, if you hit home to NFL players, like, look, we, we are hitting this hard. Just, you know, get tackled, throw the ball to the referee after you get up and get back in the huddle. If you set the precedent and really get them to, you know, stop the nonsense out there, the game for you as a fan, your money, you, you don't have to worry about it. That's the whole thing that the NFL wants and what you want is you want the integrity of the game to stay between who's the better team, my best versus your best, and nothing more. I don't think anybody wants to see a taunting penalty or unsportsmanlike conduct, whether you like it or not. If you find it entertaining, taunting, or touchdown celebrations, whatever, that the NFL is cracking down on, if you find it entertaining, okay. We all can agree that you can't just not have those rules, though. It would be, you know, gladiators, again, on the football field. So there does have to be a rule. I think since there does have to be a rule in place, you got to crack down on it hard, especially with money being on the line now. The last thing you want, like, I, I know with the referees just overall officiating, people are getting pissed because, you know, uh, the human element with this slow motion frame by frame, uh, uh, you know, modern NFL game that we're in now with replay, we obviously can be critical of the referees. People are saying, like, look, there's too much money on the line here. You, you got to clean this up with the officiating. Well, that's right in line with the unsportsmanlike conduct and taunting penalties. You don't want that deciding a game. And again, you have to have a rule in place. It can't just be a, a bloodbath out there. You can't just, you know, let players run their mouths because legitimately a fight will break out if you didn't have a rule, in theory. And that's where Mike Tomlin is saying, like, yeah, look, uh, last thing I want is, you know, a player taking a cheap shot or my player giving a cheap shot and then I don't have him for the next game. Tomlin has come out, uh, you know, very unapologetically and said that. And really, again, it just doubles down on the fan. You're putting money on this game. You definitely want these rules in place. You want a crackdown. Because the last thing you want is your money taking a hit because some guy, you know, you know, you know, Cam took off his helmet on sport. Like, think about if you bet money on that game. And that game was actually close. Like, you would be pissed if those 15 yards ended up in a touchdown for Arizona. NFL is doing the right thing here. Crack down on taunting. Make sure you just clean up the nonsense. Good move by NFL and Roger Goodell. 
Going to do some quick hits around the league. And as I'm scrolling through uh, Twitter here, I got Dan Orlovsky, again, just showing love every single quarterback. He's This time it's Jalen Hurts, and he's saying that Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles QB, establishing himself as quarterback of the future. He, he loves on Tua Tagovailoa. He loved Dwayne Haskins coming out of the draft. Like, I get, as I'm watching Kurt Warner on NFL Network 2 on, on, on the TV in front of me here, some of these guys that are like former players, like they just feel obligated to pump up the players. Like I, I'm not saying you got to be like completely neutral and objective, but it's just like like you are on TV. Like don't you don't have to give me the glass half full, um, you know, picture on everybody. Like if the guy's just not that good or if the guy's just okay, just tell me that. Like I'm looking at Jalen Hurts and numbers aren't everything, but 16, 23, 178 yards. I, I've seen him. He's very limited. He's painfully limited. Tua, painfully limited. Can't throw the ball downfield. Can't move. Doesn't look athletic. Like, Orlovsky, just tell it how it is. You don't You don't have to just find the glimmer of uh, optimism in, in everything. Like, I, I get it. You're a former player, but some of this is just like, ay ay ay. But getting to Jacksonville and Indianapolis, another guy that we're just not talking about as far as, like, he's almost just, like, getting a pass because Urban Meyer and their team and their talent sucks. It's like, guys, you know, Trevor Lawrence, renowned, number one overall pick. It's not even a thought. You take him number one. Like, he's kind of just playing all right. Like, don't don't we expect a little bit more? Like, if not, this is, you know, just a testament to why you should not tank for a quarterback. Oh, Trevor Lawrence, he's so great. Well, I mean, are, are the Jets, like, that disappointed? that they don't have Lawrence just speaking on pure NFL game film right now hasn't really been that much better than Zach Wilson like the the Jets were like in tears their their uh their beat reporters Connor Hughes of the Athletic um a rich uh simony of, of ESPN we're talking about the pain that they felt for Jets fans last year when they won that game to take them out of the hunt for the number one pick it's like guys Trevor Lawrence like can we just start evaluating him for what he's done during NFL games? Has been that good so far? Just hasn't. Like, yeah, talent is a thing. Coaching is a thing. And then that does have an effect, but maybe we should start, you know, baking that into our ideas on a quarterback. Moving to Carolina, Arizona. Yep, Cam really liked what I saw. He played well. P.J. Walker, man, you know, 22, 29, 167 yards. Uh, Cam's going to be the starting quarterback at some point. We'll see if they can get him prepped and a playbook ready for him on the turnaround next week might be uh, not enough time, and maybe we see P.J. Walker again, but you got to believe they're going to try and do everything in their power to get Cam going this week. And Dallas just smashed the Falcons. Didn't expect it to get this bad, but again, you can lose some games in the NFL. Denver, they didn't provide the blueprint, if you will. Dallas is just a better team, and they might be the best team in the NFC. They got back on track at home against the Falcons. And then going to uh, Baltimore and Miami, that was the first game. Tua, you know, played well enough to get a win. Baltimore, I think they were just kind of banged up. Like, these Thursday night games, at this point in time, like in November, I I don't, like, judge you too much. You're coming off, you know, three days of rest for an NFL game. Like, if you play on Sunday the previous week, and then you play Thursday, like, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, just get out of it alive. Like, no more injuries. Like, you don't even have to win. Like, it's just like, just get by this, and then you got 10 days off, and then you move on to the next one. Like, Baltimore, clearly the better team. Miami, they're going to go for broke because, you know, Flores, he's coaching for his job. Tua's playing for his job, uh, which Percet actually started that game. 
But, you know, Baltimore, it just didn't mean that much to him. Like, you're going to get in the playoffs. Like, just get out of and survive this one. We don't even have to get a W. And then Cleveland, New England. Again, Baker's just a guy. Been saying it for a long time now. He's not really that athletic. He's got to play off play action. He's got to have a great running back. Maybe he has to have two great running backs to play in this league because you got Nick Shubb and then you got Kareem Hunt. If that guy's not, you know, available, if that guy's injured, kind of have to have two because Baker, you know, he's, he's not going to win in a drop back game. Proved it again. They got just, they got smashed. They got 30 balled by New England. Yeah, they're not a top AFC contender. They'll make the playoffs maybe. Maybe they won't. Certainly not going to be a top seed consideration. And then the Jets, yeah, lose to Buffalo. Again, Robert Sala. Like, was this guy ready to be a head coach? Like, I mean, we, we, we didn't even know, like, how good of a coordinator he was. I liked him as a coordinator. That didn't mean, that doesn't mean I like you as a head coach. Like, I thought in San Francisco, he, he gave a lot of different looks. He, you know, had talent on the defensive line. He got the most that he could out of the secondary. I, I didn't think, like, oh, yeah, like, I want this guy running my team. Like, right now, defensively, they stink. That's his side of the ball. They're awful. Like, you, you can't even get your side of the ball right? I mean, forget, you know, commanding the room. I know you got injuries, and that's probably the that is the number one detriment to a new coach. If you have injuries your first year, especially to the veteran players who have been around the league that are going to help you, you know, lay the foundation, put the foot uh, the footprints down on your program. My gosh, just uphill battle to begin with. I mean, is he getting buried out there in New York? Not a good start for Robert Sala. And then uh, Tennessee and New Orleans again. You know, Tennessee, they're just a tough physical team over four quarters. Like, they're just going to wear you down. And there was a horrendous, you know, football play that was, you know, flagged. And again, I defend officials, and this is one that I defend them again. I don't like it. Like, I'm one of those where it's just like, do I like this call? No. Do I get this call? Yes. It was awful. Sean Payton didn't really have uh, some words for it during the postgame press conference. But just a horrendous uh, helmet-to-helmet play that kind of, you know, had a big effect on the game. Effectively ended the game for New Orleans. And, um, you know, they, they just they got to figure out the quarterback situation. They're a tough team. They got a good offensive line. They got a good defensive line. Uh, running back room's okay. Mark Ingram had a huge drop on a two-point conversion. But overall, like, you know, New Orleans is about one year away. If they can find a viable QB in the offseason, draft picks, they're always good at hitting on those. Saints could be back in business next year, but I just don't know if they're going to stick around here in 2021. And then Detroit, Pittsburgh, meh. My gosh, Goff, Kickers, Dan Campbell, Pittsburgh, Rudolph. Like, overall, Pittsburgh, you're happy to get a tie and not have an L on your record. I still think you should beat a team like the Lions. I did have the Lions winning because they are, you know, facing off against Pittsburgh, and you think they should win. It it was a toss-up, but either way, it's just – it's. You know, it's bad for the Lions. Overall, it's bad for the Lions. Got to get a W there. And then Minnesota and the Chargers, Cousins, Herbert, or uh, yeah, Cousins, Herbert. You know, a pretty good game. I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. Ended 27-20. Didn't learn much on that one. And Tampa Bay, Washington, we hit it off the top. Tampa Bay is going to be okay. Washington, I don't take much away from this. Heineke, poor man's Tony Romo. Yeah, they, they they'll have their moment under the sun here. Uh, in, in beating Buccaneers and the defending Super Bowl champs. But Tampa Bay is going to get back on track, and I think it's starting next week in Week 11. 
appreciate everybody listening. That's going to do it. We're going to be back for week 11. We got some baseball things hitting the, uh, the news cycle. I know, uh, Billy Epler just got offered that Mets general manager job. They, I mean, from all sounds that, that I'm hearing, everything I'm reading, hearing, listening to, uh, they're, they're trying to go after, uh, David Stearns, the Brewers guy. And really he's just not going to be available until next year. So they're kind of just looking at, you know, Epler here to be a one-year placeholder. We'll see if he accepts it. Uh, but baseball, you know, had Eduardo Rodriguez, 77 mil over five years with the Tigers. That broke today. Kind of an underrated arm. You know, he's been around the league for a long time. He's with the Andrew Miller trade back in 2014 when the Orioles were humming, uh, when Buck Walter was the manager, went to the postseason three times. Uh, but, yeah, not a whole lot of baseball news. You know, with that CBA, collective bargaining agreement, you know, that's, that's just a huge cloud. There, there's not going to be much activity. They got to iron that out. And, you know, it's coming to the time where people take some off days. I know I'm looking forward to some off time from work here in uh, Thanksgiving weekend rolling around. People in baseball, you better be in the office, on the Zoom meetings, talking to the other side, talking to the MLBPA, talking to Rob Manfred, whomever. Got to get a deal done. Got to get a deal done, owners in uh, in MLBPA, because the last thing you want is a lockout, the sport. Just horrendous if that happens. But appreciate everybody listening. Thanks so much. Tell your friends, tell your folks, subscribe, review. We'll be back next week after week 11. Thanks so much. See you then.